It's the Pop Culture Philosophers coming to you live from the Huntsville. Well, no, we're not. Again, we're kind of all over the place. Most of us are in the Huntsville area. Some are not. We'll get to that in a bit. Tonight, we're talking about comic book villains. This is something that Robbie and I discussed, you know, making a podcast about, making an episode about something we were excited about a while ago. And finally, the episode is here, comic book villains. I'm really excited. So I I don't even know what else to say. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm John, John Hammertime Holshu. I almost forgot my own name. With me always, the Harley Quinn to my Joker, Rockin' Robbie Billups. I didn't really appreciate that whole Harley Quinn Joker kind of thing, but I guess it makes sense. But we are talking about comic book villains. John, I'm excited to be here. I cannot believe we dedicated an entire podcast to that little-known movie from the early 2000s called Comic Book Villains about working at comic shops. I'm really excited for that, and I, I, I really... I've watched that movie like 80 times over the last 80 is the number of the night. Uh, I watched that mo- that movie like 80 times over the last month. I've I've backwards, forwards, the commentary 60 times, and uh, I'm ready to go, bro. I may have uh, my notes might be for something else. I might have not been prepared <laughs> if we're talking about that film and not just general <laughs> comic book villains. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, we're talking about comic book villains, not just villains. We could do a whole movie villain podcast. We've thought about that before, but comic book villains in specific, because we love comics and we love villains, and I'm super excited for this. So I just did want to make a reference to that little-known movie, because I don't necessarily like it. I think what DJ Qualls is in that. DJ Qualls is actually going to be in Huntsville in a couple weeks at the uh, the expo, like which is weird and wild to me, but Maybe we should find a DVD copy of that, have them sign it. However, we're talking about comic book villains for real tonight. And with us tonight, we have Dashing Drew Manson. What's up, Drew? Not much, brother. How are you doing? Uh, doing well. Thank you for coming back. Uh, this seems like a little bit more of a, not that the Bond cast wasn't fun, but a little less strenuous kind of pre- preparation and execution, hopefully. Yeah, it's a it's a lot easier than the Bondcast because instead of watching several decades worth of movies where you have to watch the entire movie, like we generally have an idea of just comic book villains because they've been around for much longer. So it's kind of already ingrained into us from not necessarily birth, but definitely early childhood. Yeah. So like everyone has an idea of who that guy is over my shoulder and and stuff like that. And like it, you just need a, a refresher. Yeah, just a refresher, definitely something because we've been studying for this podcast our entire lives. You know what I'm saying? But I can't remember every detail of every Bond movie just at a whim, right? The one man I know who can, though, is here joining us for the first time from the Pop Culture Philosophers podcast. It's comic book writer and editor extraordinaire, Jolly Joe Corallo. What is up, Jolly Joe? I'm just uh, enjoying the evening. Uh, Glad to be here to talk about comic villains and... uh, you know, I know you guys had to watch a lot of movies for that Bond one, but didn't we have to read literally thousands of comics to, to lead up to this one? Is yeah, but that that's not, fun. Is that not what everyone else did? <laughs> oh, you did that over the last <laughs> few weeks? <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of villains. There <laughs> are. A lot, there are of a lot comics. Of, I wanted to make sure that I read, reread every single piece of every bit of comic book villainy. Right. So you have yeah. to, yeah, there's a lot of research that Joe did. And that's why we brought you on here. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, I do not know if Joe can 
easily recall any moment from every single James Bond film. That's probably not the truth, but um, let's get to some truth. I want to know, why are we doing this show? Why are we doing a comic book villain show? What is it about villains that we love? Why do we love these villains so much? Joe, you kind of got, especially for comic book villains and just villains in story in general, as a writer, as an editor, you got to probably have some ideas about this. Why do we as the audience love villains? You know, I, I do have some ideas, but um, uh, I think uh, it's important here. I, I'm going to quote uh, for everyone, uh, Mark Grunwald, who is an uh, editor extraordinaire who is gone far too soon. But uh, he basically uh, ran, he more or less ran Marvel for years as uh, things kept changing above him. And he likely would have ran the company uh probably within a couple of years uh, after his passing. Uh, he, he was just a, a beloved person in comics. And part of it is because he really knew and understood them. And he had a lot to say about villains. And uh, here's some of what he had to say. Uh, a hero is heroic in direct proportion to the villainy of villains he or she confronts and triumphs against. Sounds simple and obvious enough, doesn't it? Who yeah. wouldn't pit his or her uh, hero or heroes uh, against as powerful uh, a villain as possible in order to test the hero's mettle? And um, he goes on to talk about like a, what a good villain has is A, clear motivation for villainy. B, credible background to foster that motivation. C, effective superhuman power gimmick uh, to accomplish their goals. And D, a good name or costume. And then goes on to say, a great villain should have all of the above plus a complex, and here's the important part, not complicated personality and a good track record on how many times they succeed in accomplishing their goals or at least how difficult it is for the hero to thwart them. And it, Really, the, the core of this is to make heroes better, they have to have better villains. Because a villain, all a villain needs is victims. They don't need heroes. But heroes need villains. And, and I think, you know, when when we think about all of this, the, the, the best villains are the one the ones that we remember the ones that impact us are the ones that almost or sometimes win and and i think when when we think of that when we think of good villains it's because we like the hero so much and we like the hero because of the quality of their villains yeah 100% i i feel that you know because i i think you need to have great villains to make great heroes. We're, we're, we're going to be talking about rogues galleries at some, you know, late, a little bit later on. And some of the most popular comic book heroes have some of the most popular villains. And, it, and that, that, that correlation is, is easily recognizable and 100% there. Thank you for using those words from Mark Grunewald. Those were really cool. Yeah. And I think a lot of comic book writers today should, uh, should really think about those, meditate on those, those words, you know? Yes, Absolutely. What about you, Drew? Why do uh, why do we love villains? Why do you love them? Because, like alluding to that, it's like you can have a pretty, you can have a good story without having a good villain. If if it's 
a good versus evil type of story but like you can't have a great uh, book or a story without having like a equally good villain because there he's the counter to everything that your hero should stand for or at least he's the te- he's the test of everything that you, like for someone like this like the scarecrow is the counter to batman's complex of fear like you need you need something in each of those villains to test something specific to, to an ideal or a personality trait or something to really highlight that personality trait in your hero oh yeah absolutely and the batman villains are a perfect way to to think about that you know like Killer Croc represents the monster inside of him, right? Uh, Two-Face represents the duality inside of Bruce. The Joker represents uh, the chaos that reigns inside of him, that, that, that the chaos that is Gotham, even, right? And I always thought one of the coolest things about the dynamic between Batman and Joker is that, on paper, Joker's a clown who smiles and laughs a lot, and Batman is a dude who dresses up like a bat and runs around like a vampire attacking people. Like on paper, it seems like the Joker's the more happy, heroic type character, and Batman should be the villain. And that's a cool little kind of switch there I like a lot, with those two in particular. What about you, John? Since we're talking about Batman, I know you're a huge Batman fan. I know you're a huge fan of his rogues gallery. What are, I mean, what? why do why do you love villains? I, I, I can't really beat what Drew and Joe were saying. I mean... Really, it's it's every hero needs a good villain. You know what I'm saying? You need that that counterpart to help balance it out. And it, it, there's just something about it. If Batman was just running around beating up street thugs all the time, that'd be really boring real quick. Not that he does, <laughs> but you got to have those big villains or those vi- bi- those villains that have more uh, complex plans or have a bigger picture. And uh, I, I think. I mean, I don't know what you do without that. It, it's really a big part of what makes a good hero. I think is is the is the is the good villain. I think, and uh, yeah, I, I just I, I really can't add to what Drew and Joe said already. I mean, they made a lot of good points, and, and um, it really helps, man. I mean, I don't, I can't think of a superhero that I like that doesn't have a great villain. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's got some some counterpart, and otherwise, I think it would be for a very lame. His superhero. Yeah. I, and there are some that work. I mean, like, for instance, like Moon Knight. Moon Knight's one of those things where it's like, well, I'm sure when they were doing this new Moon Knight show, they had difficulty trying to figure out who the villain's going to be because there's not one particular villain that you think of when you think of Moon Knight. But however, Moon Knight's not a character that the general population knows, like a Batman or a Spider-Man or a Superman or the X-Men or even somebody like Iron Man or the Fantastic Four, right? Um I think one of the reasons why we love villains, and, and you guys are right, because they they make the story, they make the hero, they make that journey, but there's also something appealing about villains. They're kind of sexy. We kind of like to uh, almost put our ourselves in their shoes, and what would it be like if we had no consequences? And then if it's a good story, you find out there are consequences, and the villain's not necessarily going to you know, get away scot-free. Um, I think they help us explore our dark, our darker selves um, and understand ourselves a little bit more fully. And I think we're fascinated with them because it's a way to confront the darkness inside of us without actually doing the work to confront the darkness inside of you. Um, But I think it's a stepping stone. I think we just got to realize that when we talk about our love for villains, 
there's traits of the Joker, Bane, Green Goblin, Magneto, Doctor Doom, and all of us. You know what I'm saying? And these are bits inside of us. There are a lot of great villains. I think um, some some heroes have amazing rogues galleries. Some heroes, like you said, Moon Knight, there's not that definitive or you don't come up with one immediately. But there are for other people, Batman, Spider-Man, there are definitely rogues galleries that define these characters in, in huge, huge rogues galleries. So I'm going to start with Drew. What are some of your favorite rogues galleries? Who, who, do, you, who do you prefer? Say, oh, the, these guys have the ultimate... Or the ultimate baddies. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's got to be some that stand out in your mind as being the quintessential group of bad guys for a particular superhero. I'm definitely more familiar with uh, Batman out of everyone, uh, and, and but I really like some of the other ones. I like I like the Flash. The Flash, the Rogues actually seem a lot more relatable. They're a lot more it, sh- shockingly, they're a lot more down to earth because like they go to the bar after and they're just like mostly guys with, with tools trying to rob banks. It's blue collar, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's the it's the blue collar villains. It's like, yeah, they're tr- they're trying to get rich quick. They're not like the Joker's not going to like or they're not like uh Captain Cole's not gonna kidnap a bunch of kids and try and inflict diseases on them or something. Like he's not he's like, no, I'm trying to rob the bank. This is all I want. <laughs> and and uh but so, uh, some of the other ones I like Swamp Things a lot, uh, because uh, Anton Arcane and all of the rot, like all all of those spreading out, and they're only getting better with Rambees. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but definitely for me, like the pinnacle is just like Batman, because like for most of the big two comics, it's like not everybody is like reading every single comic for for that character for everything because it's costs a lot of money but what you have is like the people who will definitely watch and be like okay my favorite villain or one of my favorite villains is in this arc i'm grabbing these specifically and they'll jump back in they'll jump in and jump out just for that power of that villain or that rogues gallery what about you joe what are some of your your favorite rogues galleries who are some uh book characters who stand out like oh these 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 are the the best rogue has in your opinion some of the best rogue gallers besides we talked about batman obviously yeah no you know a a lot of people talk about you know batman and and, and i assume there's certain rogues galleries that were going to be mentioned uh i I know like batman spider-man is another one whose rogues gallery is mentioned often the flash because they're called the rogues and all of that. So I wanted to make sure I was going to mention uh, a, a lesser discussed rogues gallery. And, uh, you, you know, so I'm going to double back to, to Grunwald for a second, because I, I really do think one of the single most underrated rogues galleries is Captain America's. No oh. one talks about it, but, um, you know, Steve, Steve Englehart really set it up as a more complex rogues gallery. And then Mark uh, sort of ran with it. Since then, I, I feel like there, there's been a serious failure in uh, capitalizing on that rogues gallery. But when you look at what uh, Englehart set up by bringing back the commie smasher Cap and having sort of Cap have to literally confront a, a, a version of himself that was out there, uh, creating the secret empire, uh, having him you know, have to confront uh, you know, basically his own government, um, 
while dealing with some of those uh, serpent villains, dealing with uh, a well-timed return of the Red Skull. It's all really great stuff, Dr. Uh, Faustus. But then when you get to Grunwald, he, again, it's like one of the things that he really stressed, like complex characters, personalities, not complicated. So when you look at that, you look at Cap's villains, especially once you got into the 80s, and each villain uh, that was coming up for a while there represented different obstacles that America had to deal with and and Cap. And Mm. it was all sides of different ideologies. Super Patriot, who eventually becomes, you know, a U.S. agent, you know, John Walker, basically represented the the most toxic element of the right. This this idea of, of patriotism being taken to a level where you're excusing, you know, violence, horrible behavior and stuff like that in the name of, of patriotism. Yeah. Then like that have, time he went up yeah. on stage and slapped Chris Rock. Exactly. <laughs> and then uh, and then you also had Flag Smasher, who's like the opposite end of that. It's that like, you know, far left night, like almost like nihilism, like uh, government is inherently oppressing people. So we have to get rid of it. Um, so, so he's dealing with Flag Smasher. He's dealing with uh, Madcap, who is just pure anarchy. Like there's no nothing. He just wants to do his own thing. Then you have the watchdogs who are, you know, that's like the the town mob militia sort of <clears throat> thing going on that he has to deal with. Then there's also Scourge at this point, and he is basically that, you know, vigilante justice taken to that next level that he can't, like, Cap has to fight and has to stop him because even though scourge is killing like murderers and like the worst people around he's got to do something to stop him because that's just not how you do it and and you just look through all of these characters he's sort of building and just this like jigsaw puzzle he's putting together um you know while also dealing with you know like madam hydra you know the serpent society trying to overthrow the government dealing with you know uh well, the Serpent Society themselves are this whole organization that's just like that. That, in a way, is entrepreneurship taken too far because they're creating their own business, their own guild, but it's for like nefarious purposes. You know, then you have uh, Superior later on, who her whole thing is, you know, female supremacy. So that's another ideology. Like all of these villains represent different types of ideologies that Cap has to grapple with. Yeah. And then one of the most successful of those villains that were created at that time was Crossbones. And Crossbones is easily just like if you read the earlier Crossbones issues, his earlier appearances, he is a really intimidating, terrifying villain who, you know, we don't we get enough of his motivations but there's still mystery and allure to this character uh it's very clear they were building him up to kind of overtake red skull and become the primary antagonist to to cap uh which clearly didn't 
go through and people have really squandered him since then. He's become more of like a joke, but he was really intimidating. Very clearly, they lifted elements of him for characters like Bane. When you look at like the design yeah. and the build and everything, like everyone talks about, oh, Deathstroke and Deadpool. It's like Crossbones and and, and Bane are, are very close. Yeah, thanks for ruining one of my favorite Batman villains for me, Joe. I never thought about that, but you're kind of right. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and Crossbones was years before, like so many years before. But yeah, and um, so, so for Cap, and all that. And then you have, you also like Baron Zemo, you have the connections to like Nazism and stuff like that as well. So he is such a, a robust, well-rounded uh, rogues gallery that no one talks about or capitalizes on in a way that's just criminal. Yeah. Cause you don't see a lot of that anymore. It's like on, on the cap runs that I'm familiar with and, I've read bits and pieces of the Grunewald run. I've never read all of it. I've read like Cap Wolf. I read that Bloodstone Hunt, like little bits yeah. here and there. I've never gotten together and just read it all in one swing, which I really do want to do. Yeah. Um, but in other runs, it's always just like, oh, they're trying to create some things. It's usually Captain America giving speeches. Mm -hmm. um, Hydra shows up and then, oh, Red Skull's back, right? Yeah. And then even today when I was doing a little bit of research for this, just to see what other people had to say, Everybody kept saying Captain America's greatest villain is the Winter Soldier. And I was just like, what? I mean, y'all just y'all just know the movies. Like, I mean, surely if you're yeah. going to think Cap, the first thing I think of is Red Skull. But you're right. Sure. There are these other things. And, and you're right that to to use those to reflect different ideologies and and problems in society in America, that's way better than just having Cap question his his place in America and where yeah. he belongs over and over again. Absolutely. Um, he he's so he's such a fantastic character and a great vessel for these things. And very, very few people who have written him have have been able to capitalize on that uh, to the extent of, you know, Engelhart and uh, and Grunwald. You, you know, I think Mark Wade comes close sometimes. But again, I, I don't think Wade executes the rogues gallery as, as well. Yeah. And. Plus and, his you know, initial run got kind of cut short by Rob Liefeld. So there's that too. But, yeah, no, yeah. of course. And that the beginning of that run is definitely like better. Um, you know, once you lose that steam, it's uh, it's tough. But to Mark's credit, when they had their meeting, like the, the group meeting with the, the writer's summit after when they were bringing Mark and everyone back after the image guys were not doing the books anymore, he did ask, was there anything in what Liefeld did that we want to carry on that you would like to see me use going forward? Interesting. And that's something that's, you know, it's a very classy thing to do. Um, you know, most people wouldn't have bothered to do that. Meanwhile, editorial at Marvel was like, hell no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were basically like, we're good. <laughs> but, but yes. Thanks, we're out. What about you, Robbie? Rogues Galleries, who stands out? Who are some of your favorites? Obviously, then, obviously, there's Spider Man and Batman, but uh, Joe touched on uh, Cap, who's great. I mean, there's some great ones there. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this, and and you know, it's easy to go like Batman or Spider Man, and then even some others. And I do really like those Rogues Galleries. I really do. I mean, you can't do this podcast, you can't be a comic book fan, and 
not at some point in your comic book reading history just been fascinated with Batman and the world of Gotham. And it's, 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 it's like a step we all go through, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's 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 really cool. There's a reason why Batman is the most produced book at DC and one of the most successful franchises they've ever had over an entire 80 years, right? Um, but on to their first big hit, I think Superman has a really good rogues gallery that is also just like cap severely underutilized like for real i love lex luther you may hear me talk about him at the end of this show i adore lex luther but and i but want to i want there's to see more him. than lex luther you're telling me there's more than that exactly what what would I, what if i told you there was more than lex luther and dark side what if I told you there was more than Lex Luthor, Darkseid, and Doomsday? Because the rogues gallery is so good, but what people think of is they think like Doomsday? Doomsday is such, I mean, obviously killed Superman, but not really. But like, that's such an insignificant amount compared to people like Mongol. Compared to even the prankster, Mixius Pitalik, right? Metallo. Uh, Silver Banshee, even Livewire, a recent like Harley Quinn-esque addition, right? Because she debuted in that cartoon show. But she works. These are villains that do threaten Superman and do like give him a viable threat. Cyborg Superman. But they get used in the most like two-dimensional ways. They get underutilized. That's why I'm loving what Philip Kennedy Johnson's doing right now with Action Comics because he's using Mongol again. Like everybody keeps, it's like, why do we forget this stuff, right? Mongol's not as forgotten as some of the others. Um, but Superman, I think, has a very robust rogues gallery that they could use. They're always like, they always say stuff like, oh, Superman's so powerful, it's hard to come up with a good threat. No, there's plenty of good threats for Superman. And I do want to see Lex as a supporting character in a Superman comic book ongoing, but it doesn't need to always be the Lex show. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you need to like kind of stretch that out, space it out a little bit. Um, but the other one I got to really throw out is Fantastic Four. Y'all know mm-hmm. me. I'm a Here big Fantastic Four head. Yeah. Jack Kirby creating insane, crazy concept villains over and over and over and over again. You know, Dr. Doom, Super Scroll, even Mr. Miracle. Y'all, I'm going super far back. Right. Um they are amazing. Blastar, Annihilus, Galactus, the Heralds. Like, they just keep getting even the Frightful Four, which we look back now, we're like, Pace Pot Pete? That's silly, <laughs> right? But even Chris Claremont wrote an issue of the Fantastic Four where the Trapster, wanted, who is Pace Pot Pete, wants to prove that he can actually, you know, do something. And he outsmarts Reed Richards. And it's a really good issue. I had to talk with Chris Claremont before he went completely dick on me that day. But uh, <laughs> it was, you know, but we, I mean, even the Frightful Four, like it works. And it, like they have an insane, like even Red Ghost and the Super Apes are villains I absolutely mm-hmm. adore. But I also, of course, am a big Fantastic Four head. Paybock, the Power Squirrel, Devos, the Devastator, Oculus. Uh, I'm in the Tom DeFalco days now. Like I could go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. I adore the Fantastic Four villains because they are also reflections of the Fantastic Four because they represent the the mysteries being explored, right? Because the Fantastic Four are explorers first and like superheroes kind of after that fact. Mm-hmm. And these are these villains kind of represent that. Like Galactus is basically I don't you can call him a villain, but he's really just nature. It's basically like 
saying God's a villain. You know what I'm saying? Like a concept is a villain. And that, that to me is incredibly fascinating. Uh, I was going to bring up Superman, but you guys did. I was going to bring up um, Flash, but he Drew did already. So I was going to say maybe on the non-DC side, X-Men has some great villains. And uh, so you got all the Brotherhood of Mutants, you know what I'm saying? You got all of them which by themselves are actually some pretty badass characters. And you got like Mr. Sinister and Apocalypse. I mean, you really have some awesome on their side. I mean, they, most are mutants, obviously. <laughs> so you've got some really cool, unique powers. Now, most of these just have really cool powers and they're not always the smartest or the most, um, should I say, meticulous or they don't plan things out all the time. They're just seeking, you know, they're out to just, be bad guys, I guess, but I think the X-Men has really good underutilized rogues gallery, I think, other than the ones we've already talked about, because obviously Spider-Man's great, Batman's great, but those are, I think, the ones you go to immediately, maybe because they're popular books, they're popular series, um, and then most of those have made into films at this point. Yeah. So, But I, I do like the X-Men, and I think some of those have transitioned well to film, not all of them, but uh, yeah, the X-Men, I would say, has some awesome, awesome villains. Great rogues gallery, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I was saving X-Men for you. I didn't think that you wanted Superman. I would have saved that for you. But you're right. X-Men are great. I mean, Magneto alone, you know? Like, it's one of those things. Okay, who are the X-Men's number one villain? You you know, it's Magneto. Yeah. Yeah. And then you start going, there's also, you know, Apocalypse, Mr. Sinister, the Sentinels, Humanity. You know, like, there's, like, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Strife. <laughs> yeah, <I agree. laughs> This is, uh, and I say this as a big X-Men fan, uh, you know, I've spent way too much money on the X-Men and too much of my time. But um, my, my snarky comment to that, and I, I assure you all, I, I, I'm joking, but um, they kind of don't have a rogues gallery anymore because they're all friends now. Yeah, not anymore. That's one yeah. thing I was thinking. Like, <laughs> this, that's one of the problems with X-Men, I think, right now, is that yeah. they neutered all the villains pretty much. Yeah, Apocalypse, um, especially in like the Fall of the Mutants, is uh, just absolutely top-notch threat. Um, and that would continue to be well after that, uh, through the rest of sort of the Claremont era, uh, into the 90s. Then some things in the 90s, like the 12, happened that we don't have to talk about. Oh, and then... The 12. You know, and then some other things happen here and there, and it's good stuff. Uh but but yeah, it's that's the thing that kills me is um, you know yeah Magneto is a, a fantastic villain, but has he even been a villain for the majority of his appearances anymore? Like that's the problem with a lot of popular villains though, right? Is like they yeah. get so popular and so now they're like, well, we can't just keep having them show up and get defeated, and we can't have them show up and actually win. So what do we do? Well, we kind of like like Venom. You know, Venom's like they, they a find, good example. Yeah. yeah, they find a way to kind of yeah. make them more of an anti-hero in a way. What yeah, if they I mean, were they nice? Even, they've even done that recently to like Luther. I mean, the amount of times now we see Lex Luther is like more of like a, an anti-hero or something. It's like for the just stop, everyone, stop this nonsense. You can just have villains. Luther <laughs> <laughs> stole forty cakes, man. That's terrible. Yeah, that's unforgivable, and they should deny him any right to redemption. I think on that note, I think we're going to take a little break. Uh, and we come back, we're going to talk about comic book villains in movies. Ooh. Right here on Pop Culture Philosophers. 
Welcome back to Pop Culture Philosophers. We're talking about comic book villains, and now we're actually going to talk about comic book villains in movies. Yes, some of our favorite comic book villains represented on the big screen in film. I'm actually going to start with Joe. What are some of your favorites, and how do you what some do you think are portrayed accurately on the big screen? Well, it's interesting because I think a lot of the ones, some of my favorites, if not all my favorites you probably can't say or portrayed accurately because because it's also like how many characters are actually portrayed accurately in yeah. movies in particular it's very few tv i think there's a little more of a chance but in like the movies it's it's always been tough but uh i definitely always love and go back to uh lex luther uh from gene hackman there because he managed to pull off a threatening villain that was family and kid appropriate the and that is insanely difficult to do do you think he had too much hair well yeah but you know <laughs> that's who cares you know like that that turns into some like some of the problems where it's like they have to look like the comic you know i don't know about that kind of sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't translate um see i like it in that one because the idea I, you know the idea i guess is that he didn't want to shave his head or whatever yeah. but like they they show that he's so vain yes right and and appearance oriented that he's always wearing random wigs and yeah. sometimes they just look ridiculous like absolutely like ridiculous like when they're the second time they have to reprogram the missile like and he's like howdy you know and all that stuff yeah and, <laughs> and I love it. Joe Casey and his Adventures of Superman. I loved his run on Adventures of Superman back like late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. He did a bit where Luther kind of, while he was president, like lost it and went off the reservation. My, maybe that's the wrong term, but like went off and just was doing his own thing and and had all these random wigs. And he would just wear these random wigs to like, it was so funny. Oh, Gene yeah. Hackman too is just an incredible actor. Like what a big oh, get yeah. to get as your, your big villain. You know what I'm saying? Oh, 100%. But but yeah, so so basically, not only that, but he was really the guy who, you know, because of the success of that movie, made it very clear that, oh, you got to hire big name actors to play these villains. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, it really wasn't until, you know, Jack Nicholson as Joker that I think that really got solidified to the point where you had a superhero movie and again this is still early in cinematic release superhero movies but where like the villain not only was like jack nicholson like the draw for the movie but like kind of stole the show in a lot oh of yeah ways. oh yeah you know and it's hard for me to not say jack nicholson's joker because even like I, I don't know i i am a little more into the Burton Batman movies than than the Nolan. Oh hell yeah, brother! I agree with you. Yeah, because like I like Heath Ledger's Joker, but Nolan's movies aren't comic booky. No, and and I feel and and Burton's despite Burton kind of being open about not being that into comic books, somehow managed to do a more comic booky series of movies, and and that Joker was such a good balance of again like really threatening and, and and jokey and all of that but it was it it just it hit that right balance it really hit that 
latter Bronze Age, late seventies, early eighties Joker. That's just some of my favorite stuff. You're, you're like your uh, Engelhart Rogers Joker fish kind of stuff. Like that. That's like my favorite Joker. So, so I think it, you really hit that uh, there. And then, I, I mean, a lot of the other villains in, in movies. You know, it's it sort of waxed and waned a bit. Uh, there, there were a few other standouts in some other like Batman movies. I, I love, like a lot of people. It's like this isn't a hot take at all, but like William Defoe is, is Green Goblin. Yeah, but and again, this is a villain who is complex but not complicated because he, he's having this inner struggle, but it's a very clean cut you know rich guy had it all he's getting it taken away from him he's bitter and he wants revenge and he's him his uh the the person who's trying to stop him is his son's best friend and, and all of that all that drama and everything packed in works so well and uh, it's so quaint when when you go into you know the over bloated too many character movies that have dominated the landscape you know, the past couple of years, go back and enjoy Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man movie. You're like, this is so nice. It's it's easy to just get into this. There's a few characters, a very clean, clear uh, plot here. And, um, you know, Alfred Molina, of course, was also great as Doc. Oh, yeah. You, you know, uh, but yeah, like, it, it gets difficult because after that, I mean... You know, Brolin as uh, Thanos, uh, I think, worked in a way that I don't think people were expecting. Like, they, they ended up doing a, a really good job with him. Um, you know, in terms of Marvel movies, uh, I, I think he worked in a way that... Because well, the biggest problems with, you know, the MCU is most of their villains are hot garbage. And most of their villains are like, I'm generic bad guy. And I don't like you, hero. And and it's and just dead. it's just awful. Um, and it's and, just like Iron Man versus another Iron Man, Black Panther versus another Black Panther. Killmonger, I like a lot, but yeah. Yeah. at the end of the movie, he's just Black Panther fighting Black Panther. And then Ant Man is Ant Man fighting another Ant Man, and it just yeah. keep they keep doing that. Ant Man with wings. Oh, you're <laughs> right. My bad. <laughs> yeah, but but or no, tail, I, yeah. I mean that's. You know, it's there, there's it's it's too much of that. So, like, I feel that despite like more people than ever are in tune to a lot of these superhero movies, and the villains are are some of the worst we've had, uh, with a few exceptions here and there. There's always exceptions, but um, similar to the comics, Marvel and DC are doing a very good job at. Uh, at uh, absolutely sucking when it comes to villains. So. <laughs> what about you, Robbie? Who are some of your favorite uh, on the big screen? Or you think, or maybe you like their interpretation. Maybe when I asked Joe, I said represented the comic, but that's not what I, maybe their interpretation. Well, they're, of, they're of a villain that, villains that I like because I feel like they're more accurate than other attempts, right? Like for instance, I love uh, Tom Hardy's Bane because yeah. Vader as Bane in Batman and Robin stinks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I try to forget he's in that. 
And so the fact that not only is he a physical threat, but he's also smart, intelligent, a spiritual threat to Bruce. I really like that in Dark Knight Rises. In fact, he's my favorite villain out of all the Nolan movies is, is Bane. I love that version of Bane. I also like them, though, when they are different. Like, I love Danny DeVito's Penguin. Yep. It is, to me, the most visually and emotionally compelling Penguin I have ever seen, right, on anything. Like, on, on a comic book page, on a TV show, in a cartoon, or in a movie. Um, Magneto, Ian McKellen, nails Magneto in part one and two. Like, three, I don't know what the hell was going on there. And then Fassbender comes in, I think, does a good job with that character. Oh, yeah. I really like Fassbender's take on it. I was worried that he couldn't live up to Sir Ian McKellen. I mean, that's those are big shoes to fill. Yeah. But I like his take on but, a younger. But what's that awful line from uh, McKellen in, in Last Stand where he's like, Xavier always said we should build bridges. And he I know. That's why like, it, it goes the point. It loses. I hate <laughs> X3. I, I never thought they would make a, an X-Men movie worse than X3. And then the same dude got another chance to redo the Dark Phoenix story and made a worser film. Um, ah, so, yes. uh, I also do love Terrence Stamp as Zod in yep. Superman 2. I love Cronin in the Hellboy movie. Oh, who, dude, Cronin's freaking a awesome. A character in the comic who is just a nerdy Nazi scientist wearing a gas mask. But the way Del Toro, Del Toroized him up, so he's filled with gears and sand and shit. Like that's so yeah. freaking cool. Oh, he's freaking awesome. But and the costume. Oh my god. Yeah, my favorite comes from one of my favorite movies, <clears throat> comic book movies ever. And I'm going Stephen Dorff as. I Deacon knew it was going to be a Blade reference. I knew it. I, I mean, knew it. If I, I re. I mean, okay. If they did the comic book version, like the the Wolfman colon version of Deacon Frost in a Wesley Snipes Blade movie, it would not have worked. But Stephen Dorff. For 1998, to me, I thought he was fascinating, enchanting, charming, sexy, appealing. There was something about that character that I wanted to be. In fact, that year for Halloween, my homie George was the crow for like the eighth time in a row. And I was Deacon Frost. And like I was living the fantasy, man. I had like this silk shirt on. I had my hair gelled and I was doing all that stuff and paled up my face. I... Love the Blade movie. I love the character of Blade, but Deacon Frost is a very important figure in the Blade lore because he's the one, of course, that kills his mother. Mm. And I thought they did a really cool, like stylized take on it for that movie. I think Steve, I think it's Stephen Dorff's best performance outside of the gate. But uh, when you saw that movie, did you just think there that guy in the future is going to sell electronic cigarettes? <laughs> no, no, but I I do have the Stephen Dorff uh, Deacon Frost action figure, so that's that's how deep. Of the course, of course, I knew Blade was going to come up. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it, man. Yeah. And the ultimate villain of the piece is Lamagra. So let's let's not forget that. What about you, Drew? Favorite uh, comic book villain on the on the big screen, the one you enjoyed the most? I you've mentioned a, f a few of them, like uh, like. I feel like much like uh, Joe said, like I tend to not like a lot of Marvel villains. Like I termed it Marvel villainitis. It's like, yeah, it's just like the one note villain who's going to be dead by the end of this. So why the fuck do I even care? And it's like anytime if I see like uh, an actor I like who's going to be a Marvel villain, it's like take the easy paycheck and peace out my friend mads mickelson i appreciate you bye uh yeah right they, how many <laughs> how many great actors have they wasted because you know we were just talking about mickelson doing one of the best bond villains on the last podcast yes. <laughs> he's, he's he like, great, uh, yeah. 
Hey, it's like, yeah, here we have Hannibal Lecter. We're going to play him, uh, have him play like this mystic monk for some reason. And just, you know, I don't know he's gone now. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't love uh, Jeff Bridges, like awkwardly CGI'd into a stupid big robot? God. <laughs> There, I really do like parts of him as Obadiah Stane. It's mostly that delivery because it just cracks me up when he's like, Tony Stark couldn't make this work in a cave. <laughs> a box of scraps. Yeah, it, it's like the he clearly has still that accent, but he's just supposed to be this high tech guy. God, oh yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's great. I like, I do like, I have, I feel like they both have a much higher hit rate when it comes to like animated movies, and that's why, like, when I think of like my favorite comic book villains, especially like versions of it, like, like a couple versions of the Joker on big screen, like they're good, like they're great, and it's like, but like. Mark Hamill and John DiMaggio, like a bunch of them just don't miss for Joker on animation. And then you have uh, things like, uh, like Mr. Freeze grew was like both, both versions of Mr. Freeze from the nineties. One was great. The other was not great at all. <laughs> it's like the animated version grew that character much more <laughs> in a good way. And then and, you all was in a movie, Batman, and Robin Sub-Zero, right? Like yeah. that whole thing that they released yeah. at that time, which was better than Batman and Robin. Yeah, Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero. Yeah, and that, and it, I also like it because I'm biased and you, you get you get more like uh, Grant Morrison storylines and Grant Morrison villainish stuff. It's like, because or uh, or like even ones like Superman versus the Elite, like Manchester Black, like he was great versus Superman in that movie. And then you have... Uh, like Owlman played by James Woods of all people. <laughs> it was just as evil. He, he plays evil so incredibly well. And then uh, under the, yeah. And then under the red hood, like uh, Jensen Ackles, who's like, I feel like very compelling as Jason Todd in that. And red. Oh hood. yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> And that's why I've. And then my favorite version of Reverse Flash was in uh, Flashpoint Paradox, and it's like, yeah, he's great. It's like this is it's like this is a Flash movie that I wanted, and I'm definitely not going to get in the upcoming DC movie. Right, man. Reverse Flash is really messing up the timeline for this Flash movie, man. I think he's the direct cause of Ezra Miller's problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope <laughs> he should just say that. The, the uh, Eobard did it. <laughs> those are some, some it good. Was me, Barry, I made you assault that person outside a bar. <laughs> was it Hawaii? I think. Yeah, he's he's done much more than that. But yeah, I've heard multiple on. things. Um, anyway, those are some good good picks. Even though you went animated, but I see what you're saying. There's some great voice actors. Mark Hamill to me is the ultimate. Well, he joke. was on the big screen yeah. because that was one yeah. of the only animated ones they released. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mask yeah, of the best, Phantasm. Yeah. One of the best Batman films. True. I agree. I agree. Um, I was going to say um, Nicholson's Joker. We talked about that. Dan DeVito is the penguin. You were talking about MCU villains being crappy and most of them, you know, either not represented correctly or having a short stay. Yeah. What about Loki? Like how awesome is Loki? And uh, Tom Hiddleston is a great actor. I really yeah. like his run as Loki. I saw a lot of people that did not enjoy the show because of the direction Loki took. They're like, what? Now he's compassionate? Fuck this, man. I'm out of here. This, fuck this show. 
a lot of people were very upset with that portrayal. I like the storyline. I like the show. But my favorite, and it is MCU, even though it's Sony, was Keaton's Vulture. Yeah. Like, he was very intimidating. And and especially when he threatens him in the backseat of the car, I'm like, holy shit, man. You forget how great Keaton is. Look at Pacific Heights where he's a bad guy. You know what I'm saying? Keaton yeah. can do evil very well. I think he's a great Great actor. He's my favorite actor, and Robbie knows this. And people listen to the show probably. I've gushed about how much I love Michael Keaton, but him as Vulture, man. And obviously a little bit in Morbius, but it sounds like he's going to be in possibly another Spider Man. So I'm a big Keaton fan, but his Vulture, amazing. His amazing. Vulture is amazing. His Vulture. I, I really, vulture I, I really like that, and I, and I like that movie a lot. Um, I feel like it's sort of been diminishing returns with with Tom Holland's leading Spider-Man movies, but, but homecoming in particular, I thought was a, a solid reintroduction of, of Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. uh, That's one of my favorite MCU films is still homecoming. I, I do love that yeah. film. It, it, it really captures like the best to me of like ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and the MCU kind of blended together and Vulture's awesome. Now, Loki, I, I think Tom Hiddleston as Loki is one of the best performances and best characters in the entirety of the MCU. I like the Loki show. I like Loki's arc. But it is that thing we were talking about earlier where it's like he can't be a villain now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People popular, like it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, that's what they had to do with that. And 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 I don't mind that in the MCU. I mind that in Marvel Comics for some reason. Yeah. Like in Marvel Comics, yeah. I still want horned helmet, stupid, evil, conniving, jealous Loki. I still want that. I don't want the dreamy. Yeah misunderstood heartthrob loki that all, get yeah i want i want loki who's you know having sex with giant spiders and uh, unleashing <laughs> like you know dragon spawn onto you know thor so my yeah, son the, the wolf the old school loki yeah yeah my son the wolf and my other son the giant snake monster yeah, I, I like all the how all these mcu villains that were like yeah we really like them they're all the ones that have not died and it's yes. like, yeah, congratulations. Like, you have more than one thing where you can actually build them. You should have done that with so many other <laughs> characters, but you kept killing all of them. Yeah, I, w I would also say, though, that that Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger, I really like that. There, that's probably some of the most nuance put into an MCU villain. Uh, but yeah, they did kill him. And now they're like, fuck, what do we do with this whole yeah. franchise, man? Because we said we wouldn't oh, recast Atala, so... Yeah, Some, sometimes though I feel that they get some of these big actors and the actor only wants to do the one film. You know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, I don't want to do subsequent sequels because it looked like Keaton was down for subsequent sequels. But I think some of these people are like, look, I'm I'm too big to do, you know, I, I can't believe I'm lowering myself for a comic book film. You know what I'm saying? There's some actors that kind of come off that way. Yeah. And comic and comic book films are the big thing right now. And so sometimes I think they just don't want to stick around, like, look, you could revive me, but I'm not sticking around for a sequel. I got I'm doing other things. So like, I wonder if Jeff Bridges at the time didn't want to do multiple films. Well, there was well, no way they could have known that Iron Man was going to be anything at the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. True. And, th but then there's the idea where you don't want to just keep repeating. Right. And, and then sometimes maybe it is better just to kill the villain off or get rid of them in some kind of way, because then you just don't have Gene Hackman show up for three out of four Superman movies. <laughs> and he's got a son. But they don't was know what later was on. It was that his nephew? What what is that? Uh... Was his nephew in part four, wasn't it? Oh, okay. Uh, Ducky. Fucking Ducky. Ducky. That is Ducky. <laughs> yeah, John Cryer. <laughs> yeah. Who winds yeah. up playing Lex Luthor in the Supergirl show. Yes. Yeah. 
So that's kind of a nice connection. Um, speaking of that Supergirl show and John Cryer's Lex Luthor, let's talk about the small screen. <laughs> because we talked about the big screen. We talked about them in movies, but there have been plenty of comic book television shows, whether animated or live action, and lots of great portrayals of villains, mostly on animated. Uh, yeah, I was but just I know <laughs> I do. I we will, you know, try to find at least one live action one if you can think of. But I want to know, and we'll start with Drew. What are your favorite uh, television comic book villain performances? I I have a soft spot for a couple of uh, of the early Arrow villains, like mm. and it's, like you talk about guys from Doctor Who doing comic book stuff, like. Uh, God, what's his name? He played Merlin. John Barrowman. Yeah, he had a ball. Like he, like he loved being in that show. He loved the fans of that show. Like he clearly had a lot of fun. Like, and he was like legitimately evil. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I felt like he was great versus Stephen Amell's like charismatic, like trying to be dark knightish. And the other guy was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, just, just, <laughs> just keep shooting arrows. And then like Manu Bennett shockingly is still i think the best live action portrayal of deathstroke we got so i guess even though he's not a green arrow villain at all <laughs> and then but it's like i know that's a low bar but like he was good in that season i gotta give it to him and then yeah. uh yeah. prometheus was actually like season four of arrow was actually like legitimately good because it was like i was already out and then my friend uh, was like no but actually good and it was like okay i will trust you and if you waste my time i'm gonna be very upset and that was the last season of arrow that i watched because they killed him and i was like all right i'm done but yeah other than that like t- tv is just much rougher i feel yeah like oh, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of the the most recent mcu stuff and it's like i, I got nothing <laughs> <laughs> it's just like <laughs> Uh, and it's like I'm I'm terrified that Ethan Hawke is going to be the best one we got, and it's going to be in Moon Knight, which maybe yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but animation, I mean, every kid growing up with Mark Hamill as the Joker was blessed. Mm-hmm. He was the best, and, and like and like my mom is still shocked every time that I remind her that like yo he played the Joker and he was like Luke Skywalker played the Joker I was like yeah he was the best and that, that laugh man that it's, laugh yep. it's like I remember like kids used to practice that laugh and like from the very beginning like a crit like shows starting off with Christmas episodes the Simpsons and Batman the animated series they just grow onto great things huh. <laughs> and then and then people like uh, Arlene Sorkin, John Glover is the Riddler. It's just like they actually had like genuine voice talent for this incredible show. And then yeah. like, and then like the animated series, like they kept going, like because in the Superman, Lex Luthor was great. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, it's like I feel like all of that. It's just like live action. I don't know because they they stick with the villain of the week so much. And yeah. it's it's much easier to get a villain back in animation because you just stick them in a stick them in a box and record the lines rather than having to bring them out and shoot for weeks on end for an episode. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are some good picks, you know. And Mark Hamill's the Joker is definitely going to stand out. And uh, don't forget that was not his first portrayal of a comic book villain. 
because he was the trickster that's right in the flash series and that's where you you start getting that joker voice and laugh developed. they brought him back for the flash yeah they brought him back yeah they sure did that's right he was the i I remember that that was when i still for some reason was watching the arrowverse yeah uh joe um some of your Captain America villains that you were talking about were portrayed recently on the small screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wonder they how all... that worked out for you. I wonder if they're going to make your list. What do you no, got? No, they all sucked. That sucked. <laughs> um, you know, but um, now I can say Drew mentioned literally every single person I was going to mention. Fuck. <laughs> no, it's fine. But um, but no, it's uh, and all for very good reasons. Those were all excellent. I, I would also throw in at the time I didn't appreciate it as much, but as like uh, an adult, uh, Rupert Thorne in the animated series was excellent. Yes. Um, he, he was so good. Um, and, um, you know, Clayface in the animated Batman. Yeah. Um, that was the first time I was really like upset watching like a cartoon as felt a bad for him man you know and it was also scary for me because that was like the first time i had to grapple with at least as far as i remember as a kid that was the first time i was confronting the idea of what if i think i'm talking to someone or interacting with someone and they're not who they say they are like and having to like grapple with that like thought and yeah. I remember staying up like all night, like just laying in bed, like staring at the ceiling, like thinking <laughs> about like that idea that everybody's fucking clay face. <laughs> well, just oh. this idea, because because the problem is it spirals out into like, what if someone like just says like they're a cop and they're not or they're, you know, a this and they're not or like, what if yeah. someone comes and asks me for help? And you know, like, hey, kid, can you come over here? Help me with, and they're not who they, you know. And it was just like that moment where it was like all of that, like, sort of was hitting me. Yeah. And then you go to school the next day, and they're like, today we're making clay pottery, and you're like, (laughs) what if everyone's an actor? Exactly. Yeah. You know. (laughs) What if everybody's lying to me? And here you are, years later, going, well, I was right. Uh, a larger proportion than i really thought oh no for sure but then um you know i would also mention that there was a lot of great stuff in uh you know the adam west batman uh in particular i think frank gorshin is the riddler um really stood out in that show there there were a lot of excellent yeah you were talking about that earlier in movies how they got these big name actors and the same thing for that adam west show i mean seriously there were some great High high caliber actors playing villains on that show. No, there there absolutely were. Um, you know, um, and, and I would say uh, I, we touched on for a second before, but uh, David Tennant in Jessica Jones is the Purple Man. Uh, even though I don't think I can watch that again because it's just such misery porn, um, I, I think I thought he was really great uh, as a villain in that in that season, and he did just a fantastic job with a, a very like disturbing character. Yeah, I, I still haven't seen Jessica Jones, but that's the one thing that I really do want to see is his portrayal yeah. of that character. And the fact that he's not, I got to get over the fact that he's not purple. Yes. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could have easily, you know, just made him purple, but you know, I get it. I get what they were going for. John, what about you? I'm, I'm sure you got some, uh, some good. Ones I would there. say I really like 
Tom is how do you say his name? Kavanaugh, the guy that plays the Reverse Flash. Yeah, Flash. He's a great actor, so I, yeah. I like his take on that. And then we were talking about, you know, the Marvel not being so great. But let's jump back to the Netflix run. I really like Jigsaw from The Punisher. Okay, I like that take, and you you kind of sympathize with him. You know, what I'm saying what he went through, and I really like Kingpin. From Daredevil, yeah, yeah. Really that's figure. my number one. Is King. I'm surprised. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. He's no, such no. a great actor. Talk about big gets. And then, lastly, I'll mention non DC and non Marvel. Well, technically, this book started as DC, and then it went anyway. Um, Homelander from The Boys is just fucking terrifying. Like he does such a good job. At, I mean, he's a hero, but really, he's the he's the he's a villain. And he does. But you haven't seen The Boys yet, have you, Robbie? The the, anima, the Amazon. No, version? but I, I have read the comic, so. Okay, because I guess it was Wildstorm, wasn't it? And then they canceled it, and then was I think Wild- Dynamite picked it up. Was it Wildstorm? Yeah. Okay. The first six issues, and they canceled it because they're like, yo, this shit's dark. <laughs> I just couldn't remember. And then Dynamite picked it up. I yeah, yeah. If it was if it was Wildstorm, if it was Icon. But yeah, then Dynamite picked it up, and that's kind of like one of their first, you know, they did they were doing like Army yeah. Darkness and then the boys yeah. and yeah, and now they're very successful. Oh, Dynamite's awesome, and 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 the boys, but Homeland is of the show. terrifying. Yeah, Love no, Dynamite. Dynamite's freaking awesome. Yeah, hi Nick, if you're watching. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're listening. Thank you for picking up there. the boys when DC dropped the fucking ball. Yeah, yeah no kidding. And for putting out a number of wonderful, entertaining comics at affordable prices. <laughs> with high quality paper. Yes, <laughs> on, on higher quality paper than you're going to see at the big two. So yeah, well, you <laughs> get not good. You, much, you get so good now. paper quality at DC. You just got to pay eight dollars for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so was was that was that what you had, John? Those are the ones that stood out in my mind. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to steal. Uh, oh no, Kingpin Every, from you. The whole point is stealing, you know. But yeah, yeah Vincent D'Onofrio is Kingpin, freaking fantastic. Right. Like I, I love it. I remember I could not believe I was like, this dude is literally smashing this dude's head in a car door. And Ugh. like, I'm just loving it, man. I'm like, I guess like, I cannot believe they're allowing Daredevil to go this brutal. Uh, I hope that they can continue that thread. But when they brought him into Hawkeye, I feel like they kind of weakened, weakened him a little mm. bit, and goofed him up just a bit. But look at his fucking clothes. They weakened him right there. I know, man. It's so stupid. But they're like, but but there's this one James Robinson comic book and he's wearing that in that graphic novel. I'm like, who cares? He's, <laughs> he goes from like sophisticated, like top dollar gangster in the Daredevil show to like. Dressed like fucking Goldsmith. A parody. Oh, a no. Yeah, he does dress like Goldsmith. Um, <laughs> He's dressed great, and I dress like Goldsmith. <laughs> He's just slamming my head in a car door. You embarrassed me in front of Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Animated-wise, uh, Mark Hamill's the Joker. We've already talked about that. Oh, yeah. Um, Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor. We've talked about that. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Them two together in that Batman Superman World's Finest movie. Or whatever it was like yeah, three yeah. episodes of the show, but like that is amazing and rather dark because there's a great moment where Joker's getting like Joker's in that giant vehicle that that giant ship that Lex has built and that he he's painted a smile on it and it's at the end of the of the bit where it's blowing up and then like Batman's parachuting away with Harley Quinn and she looks at it this flaming wreckage that Joker's in and goes pudding. And Batman goes at this point he probably is and I was like <laughs> cold. <laughs> <clears throat> but I also want to go animated wise Shredder. I'm pretty sure that's Uncle Phil oh, playing yeah. Shredder in the yeah. uh, te- mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated yes. series. I loved him as a villain. So did I love Krang as well. 
Um, Cesar Romero as Joker, like I lived and died for reruns of Batman on Family Channel. And whenever it was the Joker episode, I was so giddy with delight. I would nice. flip out. Could, why couldn't he shave his mustache off just for the show? It would grow right back. See, but that's the thing, man. You, if you want somebody like Gene Hackman or Cesar Romero, you got to deal with their facial hair or top head hair requirements, right? There was um, also no way at the time they could have predicted that, uh, number one, people would watch it after. <laughs> and, and number two, that tv resolution would get so good that you would see it that's true because i never noticed that as a kid like yeah. watching that on like reruns or whatnot um but the final one i do want to mention is from a show i do not like which is smallville but i think michael rosenbaum as Lex oh Luther yeah was yeah. amazing in that run and that's how you have luther in almost every episode but still do something else and different with it so yeah that's what absolutely. i think and i think that's kind of a bit underrated don't you think john I think it's underrated. I think there are a lot of underrated comic book villains. And I, I kind of wondered, in your mind, you guys, the, the crew here, who do you think is underrated, not used properly, or just or just underrated as a character? I'm actually going to start with Jew. Jew. <laughs> Joe Calm Joe. down, brother. <laughs> I like that Joe. I like that Joe, but I, but I meant to say Drew. I could, Jew. <laughs> let's, edit this, let's edit this all out. <laughs> No, that's a <laughs> brother. Oh, boy. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so, uh, so which one were you actually asking? <laughs> yeah, who was starting? <laughs> Drew. <clears throat> Drew, I think. Is what he was Drew, saying, right? Drew. Who do you think cool. is a, a underrated comic book villain? <laughs> Your opinion? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Much like that comment was cursed about Malekith the Accursed. Okay. Uh, yeah, I like, and that's another your 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 Doctor Who guy that didn't translate well. It's like if you ask any person on Earth other than the most diehard guy, no one will tell you who. No one will be able to tell you the villain of Thor: The Dark World. It's not a single soul. It's like, but. But like every comic that I read from Walt Simonson to Jason Aaron, like I really like Malekith the Accursed. And but and I feel like he's never mentioned because like with Thor, it's like it's always Loki. Or mm. or now recently Gore the God Butcher. And yeah. and that's why and he he's one, like you said, uh, like we've mentioned Clayface, like although he's recently become like more anti heroish, heroish. <sighs> Again. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> that was a it, good run though man that was a good run though. it was it was, a, it good was run. a good run yes yes yeah but like some of the other ones i really like uh rex robot from invincible just like there from the very beginning just constant mm. like the more you find out about it it's like man i hate this guy <laughs> <laughs> i feel like nobody like when we bring up uh comic book villains i'm trying to think it's like I really like a lot of like the one-off like Grant Morrison ones. Like I like Simon Hurd a lot. Mm. Like I like, and then his his Owl Man from Earth Two. I love Flamingo, man. Flamingo, yeah. Flamingo the, and Professor Pig, I really like a lot. I I was gonna I was gonna mention him, but like a visual inspiration for one of my guys in my top five, uh, Flamingo. Yeah, but. They, <laughs> 
so that's some of my like guys that I just think about. Like I always think of like the Walt Simonson guys that because Thor has changed drastically in his modern interpretation, like in MCU stuff, we'll never be able to see some of like the classic ones like that. What about you, Joe? Some uh, who do you think is underrated comic book villains? Who stands out in your mind? There's a ton. Um, Mannequin is a uh, uh, Jerry Conway uh, creation for his Batman run that only appeared in two issues and has never come back. And uh, she is fantastic. She is a, um, a model who um, a, a, uh, a rival like modeling agency, like put like a bomb in her car and she survived, but she was all disfigured. So she like, put her like body in this like mannequin suit and went around like murdering all the people who, who, who had uh, tried to kill her and everyone who was involved. And it's so nice. good. It, it's just, it's perfect motivation. Uh, it's a great design. It's an interesting kind of character. Yeah. The character itself, I have to see this character. It sounds terrifying. Yes. Like visually. <laughs> Yes, it's very terrifying. This idea of this woman who's walking around who looks like just a walking mannequin who's murdering people. It's like, <laughs> it's so good. And it's insane to me that she hasn't been used more. Um, well, know, they made those uh, films, Mannequin and Mannequin 2. Yes, that's that's true. But uh, <laughs> but no, it's, uh, for me, like, that's fantastic. But, but there are different kinds of underrated villains. There's ones that never show up again, like Mannequin. Then there are underrated villains like, uh, was it Hank Henshaw, you know, Cyborg Superman? Yeah. Everyone talks about the death of Superman and Doomsday killing Superman. Hank Henshaw was a far more terrifying villain who actually murdered 7 million people. Yeah. And no one talks about it. No one. It's insane that the part of the story that's the better part of the story <laughs> where the stakes are even higher is ignored that so there's that kind of uh, couldn't agree more about that joe couldn't agree that the ending of that whole death of superman trilogy with the funeral for a friend the death the funeral and the return like mongol cyborg superman teaming up destroying coast city that shit blew my mind when oh, yeah. i was reading that as a kid man yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't get it. Like, this is how you know people out there who don't actually go in and dive into this, where maybe they picked up just the Death of Superman trade or whatever that just has that stuff, and they just read that and never read past it. The stuff right after it, all of that is way better than the Death of Superman. Even, like, yeah. the Funeral for Friends funeral. stuff. And yeah, man. You know, a, a lot of the Louise Simonson stuff where, where she's writing all like the emotional beats and like what Lois and what the Kents are going through, like all of that's great. The rains, it's, uh, but, um, but yes, yeah, so you have that kind of stuff. And then I would also say another really underrated villain for me is uh, Devastation, uh, a Wonder Woman villain who was uh, in Eric Luke's run. I don't think she really appeared after that. Uh, if she did, it was only maybe once or twice, but she's an incredible Wonder Woman villain. She is uh, basically uh, Cronus's daughter, who is sort of like the equivalent for like the Titans uh, of what Wonder Woman would be. And 
she she's just this terrifying uh villain who is like on par with wonder woman has different kinds of powers but is very powerful and uh just does not care for humanity at all and and is just everything you want in a villain and and that's another rogues gallery i could have mentioned before wonder woman has an incredible rogues gallery and no one uses it because they suck (laughs) <laughs> just every single person who takes over wonder woman doesn't know what to do they keep doing the same beats of like she's gone back to man's world and found out that everyone lied to her and what is the truth and it turns out that you know her mother also lied to her about where she came from and now huh. she has to grapple with the lies from her home and the lies of men and it's like no stop it please (laughs) there are so many more interesting stories to do with wonder woman just like there are with captain america superman but they keep hiring people to tell the same story over and over again and then they're like how come everyone's saying these characters are boring we've just made writers tell the same fucking story for 20 years (laughs) what's so boring about that robbie <laughs> Everyone's just thinking, yeah, he's right. Uh, yeah. Um, but he's not wrong. Yeah, right, right. I mean, it's true. I mean, like Wonder Woman has been stagnant for a while. And I mean, I, I see what he's there's a big correlation there with Superman and, and Captain America. Yeah. You know, like with Captain America, he's always, oh, the country lied to me, and the leaders of the country lied to me, even the people have lied to me, the symbol has lied to me like how do i live in this world how do i represent like yeah it it gets monotonous right um some of my underrated villains blastar the living bomb burst could be way more threatening than he actually is utilized in a in a bigger way he's big he's cosmic speaking of cosmic how about molecule man you know i guess it, sometimes you get villains too powerful that most people don't know what the hell to do with them so they just save them for every 30 years when they do a secret war um, that's fair also speaking of cosmic how about the other heralds of galactus terax mm. firestar airwalker like these are some big potential threats that you don't get to see very often uh metallo i think is severely oh, yeah. underutilized Absolutely. like a man with no heart replacing it with a kryptonite heart it's more than just a threat to show up show off his chest and knock superman out for one like scene until you know, you, like there's so much more you can do with that character. Oh, yeah. uh, Graviton at Marvel, like that's, oh, that's an incredibly powerful character. I thought that was a ride from the Carnival. That's the Gravitron. That's the Gravitron. Oh, yeah. oh, never mind. Very similar in concept, though. I think <laughs> Mandarin is underrated in, in oh, the comics. Yeah. I, I understand sure. why they like to try to steer clear from it, but there is so much there. And and one of my favorite things about him as being the arch rival of Iron Man is that technology versus science thing. And they veered heavily away from that. But my number one is going to be Kristoff, the, uh, the heir and ward of Victor Von Doom. He is a child, 12 years old, was imprinted uh, as a contingency plan. When they thought that Doom had died, they bombarded his mind with all of Dr. Doom's memories. And now this is one fucked up fucking kid who is <laughs> incredibly dangerous, if you really think about it. And they never use them. And when they do, it's usually dumb. So that's what I'm going with, man. What about you, John? I was going to say the one that I thought you guys are all going to take 
and it's a big one, man bad. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's just a big fucking bat. I just love the fact that, like, there's a Batman. Why not a man bat? There's already Reverse Flash. There's Bizarro Superman. We need a, a, a Bizarro Batman. Just a big fucking bat, dude. I just love the fact he's not the most imposing because he's a bat. He's got the weaknesses of a big ass bat. But I just love him. He just looks cool as shit and done with the right art style or done as the correct like figure too because there's a bunch of figures of him. But if he's done correctly, he looks cool as shit, man. He's one of the coolest looking villains. Yeah, although Neil he may Adam not be. Stuff looks awesome. Oh, yeah. Yep. John yeah. Bolton, the John Bolton stuff looks awesome. And then uh, he's great the animated, animated series. series. Yeah, the oh, animated yeah. Series. Yeah, yeah. He's done correctly. He looks like cool as shit. Yeah, uh, Kelly Jones did a great like three part oh, man bat yeah. story. Yeah, and then another one I was going to bring up that maybe doesn't have the same. I say he's underrated until Suicide Squid. Suicide Squid. Squid. Suicide Squid. Suicide Squid. We're yeah. making a comic called Suicide Squid, guys. I need you guys in on this. Joey, we should have got that on the newest <laughs> DC Round Robin shit. Um, Suicide Squad Starro. I would, but of yeah. course he got he was. I think you underutilized and a super cool villain. And then I think they did him right in Suicide Squad. I think he was really cool. I think you feel for him too. And I just wanted to be left alone, man. <laughs> and, they turned uh, him into a hero in the comics recently with Jaro. Yeah, oh, that see, was cool. I, though. I, I mean, but that's that's not Starro. But I mean, then Grant Morrison did a really great Starro story in JLA that also had Daniel oh, in it. That absolutely. shit was awesome, bro. It was so, so cool. Yeah, because he's he's you know you think of the big DC villains and Starro is one of the big ones for the Justice League, but. I thought he was mostly formed. He's the yeah, original I, one. Yeah. yeah, and I think he was mostly unutilized, except for the new Suicide Squad movie. I said, oh, okay, you know, they brought him in, and I think I was like, oh, but is he going to work on the big screen? It seems kind of absurd, but I think that James Gunn did a good job. Maybe I should have brought him up for comic book villain movies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, because he's he's great, and uh, and then the last one is uh, uh, Ozzy Mandis. Ozzy Mandis. How do you say his? How do you say my Mister? Yeah, I think he's a great villain. You know, he's a hero, but he's a villain. And, you know, the uh, what he does ultimately, you know, I mean, some people will side with him, but, you know, he's a he's a he's he's a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does it for New the, York. <laughs> he, he reminds me of Victor Von Doom where he's like, well, this this is I'm doing these terrible things, but for the betterment of mankind kind of yeah. thing, like he thinks he's smarter and he thinks he knows better. And some people will side with his his reasoning. But I do think he's underrated as a as a villain. Yeah, although the real villain in Watchmen is society. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say that big fucking squid thing. <laughs> the real villain is that big fucking squid thing, dude. The suicide squid. Yeah, that's that's the suicide. Squid. That's oh, it's no. really, yeah, it just shows up, dies on New York, kills everybody. Yeah, I like that. That's uh, yeah, that's 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 mine. Um, I think we're taking a quick break. I need something to drink. Got to use the potty. When we come back, our top five super villains, comic villains, whatever, whatever, whatever the fucking show is, whatever the show is, it's going to be that with the top five on Pop Culture Philosophers. Welcome back to Pop Culture Philosophers. We're talking about comic book villains. Now we're going to talk about our top five. These are our favorite comic book villains. Maybe not 
uh, your favorites. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's the ones that are like near and dear to us or ones that we enjoy the most. So they might, be, you know, it's not like we collectively got together and said, what are the best selling or the most popular? So these are the ones we like the most. I'm going to start with Drew. Your top five in reverse order, if you could, your favorite comic book villains. Uh, this is this is definitely one where I had to like clarify like what could be included with Robbie. Because <laughs> I was like, because my question was like, hey, can we include like manga villains? Because it was like, I'd, I've i read a lot. <laughs> it's like, and, oh, yeah. And that's why I wanted to make sure because like that's what, when I think of like my favorite villains. It's like just characters that I hate, <laughs> like you know, you know, like actual visceral re- reactions to characters. It's like those are some of them. And number five, I have the scariest man to ever wear pink, uh, Don Quixote Do Flamingo from One Piece. He is the best One Piece villain, and he's just a complete monster. And like he's a physical threat, and he's also just like willing to do anything. He will like he's kill he killed his father when he was like eight, and then killed his brother when his brother showed like the slightest uh, hint of like not being with his plans. He killed oh he took over the country by like using his string powers to manipulate a king into like murdering his own people, <laughs> and just a complete monster and one of the most horrifying things in like the the absurd length of one piece one of the most horrifying things is that he's still alive somewhere (laughs) and number four i have the villain that got me back into comics and that is sinestro because i actually hadn't been reading comics for forever and like i actually like forged relationship with robbie uh, this way and like getting back into comics and one of the early things that i got into was uh the jeff john's uh run of green lantern and just going through that and it's like i still look fondly on sinestro and like that the ending of that runs is like that's the that's the that's the sad thing hal we'll always be friends (laughs) it's like oh that's really no one man mentioned the live action version like the movie sucked but sinestro was awesome mark strong like i will always respect mark strong and just about everything he does yeah Yeah. (laughs) i never doubt that he's giving it his all he's the best part in a lot of shitty films yeah, yeah that's, true. that's the thing. Like he tries at least. Uh, after that, I have the El Clasico. Like I, I, it's like Joker. Like, listen, I know it's cliche to like list him as like a top villain. I, I'm aware, but there's a reason that like people will want to write the joke. They'll always want to write the Joker because one, because he sells, and because you can be with that pantheon of writers and artists who have done him and done him well like you want to be included with the moors the morrisons you want to be with those guys and like he's just a classic for a reason and he and like he'll never he'll they'll never stop using him because he's always important yeah to everything yeah absolutely yeah and then after that, I have Johan Liebert from Naoki Urasawa's Monster. He's he is the, well, he's the most prototypical answer for the monster in that series. He is the most perfect sociopath ever written. He is <laughs> he he his goal at the beginning is there is his eventual goal is to commit the perfect suicide. So throughout his life, anyone who has ever met or heard or anything who is the slightest hint that he even exists he needs he need they need to be uh getting rid of and he was 
in some sociological experiments that ended with him watching on a throne as 50 uh, kids and instructors just killed each other like hand-to-hand combat and he just saw, sat and watched it like as a little kid on a throne he he's able to talk anybody into either committing crimes for him or committing suicide like there's an entire like issue or two where he just talks like this this cop who's like trying to get his life back together and just makes him go back to alcoholism in a single conversation and just end up end up dying because he had a slight inkling of who he might be and and the entire uh the entire series gets started just because uh his sister tried to kill him and and this nice doctor tries to do the nice thing and save the little boy and sets that all in motion and number one is griffith from berserk he is the most hated like everyone either hates him or like it's become just a a perfect meme that like griffith did nothing wrong and he is the uh, when you think of someone with ambition he is that perfect like he is always striving because he wants to be the king and like because when he was a kid he saw like the castle in the clouds like he wanted to be the king like throughout his entire life and like he was a street rat and so he always had such uh he never respected anybody who was born with title like if like he tried so hard to just go up and up and up and the when he finds out that the person that he actually came to respect the hero guts it's like the person that he actually started to rely on actually made him question his ambition and like like not care about his ambition at all he loses it like he ends up going to uh like he seduces the princess and proceeds to get tortured for a year and ends up it it turns out that he has been manipulated from his very birth to become this godlike uh basically a demon and it's like you were you never faced a serious obstacle in your life that you couldn't overcome until guts and that was the trigger that you needed and and you and he sacrificed everyone that was close to him and including guts to become this demonic entity and all because it made him question his ambition and it's one of the most heart-wrenching because like he was well loved throughout like the entire series and then like the ultimate betrayal I love how Drew's like, I, I'm sorry to be so cliche that Joker's on my list, but here are three manga villains that Robbie didn't know anything fucking about. <laughs> Listen, it's not my fault that you haven't read the greatest dark fantasy series ever written in Berserk. Like, I have I have the first deluxe hardcover, hardcover of Berserk because my homie Jim Mint recommended it to me. I picked it up. I haven't read it yet. And I actually have the first right. omnibus of uh, One Piece because I keep hearing Perch fucking talking about it. Yeah. So. Listen, they're great, and that's why I, I marked out the, uh, I marked out the thing. It's like you're the, it, it's got him, him with guts. You're the only one who made me forget my dream. As he's, as he, and he's, he finishes saying the word sacrifice as he sacrifices all of his, all of his men, and and the main character, and throughout the rest of like that's provides the impetus for like the rest of the book is like he is trying to kill Griffith. Well, that's dope, though, man. I love that that manga love because when you have these conversations about comic books, you got to remember we're not, it's not, 
comic books entire section of the America. world. Yeah. In fact, in fact, the rest of the world actually takes them more seriously and produces yeah. better ones. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's uh that's a great list. I didn't expect so much manga. I wish I had some manga villains on my list. I, I want to revise my list now. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, instead, let's uh, jump to Joe. Joe, your top five comic book villains. If you can narrow them down to top five in reverse order, please. Sure. Um, you know, I have some different criteria, and it's possible that these would, you know, fluctuate a bit uh, depending on the day. But when I think of good villains, I think of uh, impact to the medium uh, as well as stuff that I think impact to the medium, impact to the character and just overall things I, I enjoy. So I'm going to start number five with uh, Gideon from Scott Pilgrim. And nice. that's because we are, st- like, the impact Scott Pilgrim had, we are still dealing with awful Scott Pilgrim clones to this day. Uh, some decent ones. There's some good stuff that have come from it, but... We're going on 20 years soon. I think that we're like 18 years since it came out originally. Damn, that's, like, that's the one statement that makes me feel the oldest. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty Scott, sure. Scott Pilgrim one. feels like yesterday. But yeah, it's like, yeah. It's, it is like 18, 18, 19 years ago, man. Yeah. So, and um, it kind of ushered in, like, when you think of, you know, American comics in the 21st century or North American comics as Brian Lee O'Malley is a, a Canadian. Uh, you, you do think of a, more of a focus on these sort of like slice of life hybrid kind of comics. And you think of villains like Gideon, who who is sort of this like controlling avatar of toxic masculinity and things like that. So So when you think of sort of the direction things have gone in in crafting villains in crafting stories scott pilgrim is such a pillar uh for north american comics with that and gideon is is such like an archetype of of the villains that we've we've sort of seen since then and um and and he works really well in in scott pilgrim because he's barely in it he like part of how that works is he's threatening because we don't really know exactly what we're dealing with. And they really milk that for a long time. And you see the other characters you're, he's fighting along the way. And you're like, man, if these guys are giving him a run for his money, like how bad can Gideon be? And like, it's it, like it, the uh, third man syndrome, <clears throat> right? Where in yeah. that movie, they're talking about Henry Lyme. Yeah. And then when he actually shows up, the legend has been built up to yeah. the audience. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I, I go, I'm going to go with uh, you know Gideon for, for number five. Number four, I'm going to say uh, Dr. Cyber, uh, a fantastic Wonder Woman villain. Uh, I could have also put this in underrated villains, but she's also just such a good villain. Um, she was the, the perfect addition to, to a rogues gallery during the you know mod era where it was leaning more into this, like, James Bond kind of approach. You know, this, like, international, uh, you, you know, thief, murderous type who who has just this syndicate that works under her. Um, no regard for human life is, like, just one of those kind of villains. Just, you know, you don't listen, kills you, does all that kind of stuff. Um, then later... 
gets disfigured in an accident. She's this beautiful woman. She ends up multiple appearances later getting disfigured in a fight with Wonder Woman and then, you know, trying to get back at Wonder Woman for taking away her beauty. Like, so so they add so much to the character along the way. Um, you know, a lot of that's the pre-crisis stuff, um, you know, and obviously in recent years, uh, she hasn't really been used because they've just been terrible direction after terrible direction, but she is such a perfect character uh, for Wonder Woman to fight and and just, yeah, threatening a true villain. There's not really much redeemable about her. Uh, she, she's just great. So, so I'm going to go with Dr. Cyber for, for number four. Number three, I'm, I'm going to go with, um, this is a little... I don't know if it's a little bit of a cheat, but I'm going to go with uh, the Legion of Superhero Villains, The Fatal Five. Um, okay. The Fatal Five, uh, I mean, besides being created by a young teenager with uh, you know Jim Shooter, they were one of, if not the first uh, villains in, in comics, certainly at DC, to kill a hero and for that hero to just stay dead in the silver age hmm. you know when they kill when they orchestrated the events that led to the death of, of feral land you, you know so and they were done they're done so well they had to be stopped and then the legion ends up break like helping them get out of prison to help them with the greater problem and then they still betray the legion and become threats again to the universe and the Legion has to like come to terms with that, but they kind of helps unleash these these villains again. This is all Jim uh, Shooter stuff. This is all Jim Shooter, yeah. So this is all like fourteen year old Jim Shooter stuff that you're talking about right now. Yes, that's the wild because yeah. I I knew that he did that, but I never read that stuff. Yeah, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. A lot of the covers at that point are also Neil Adams covers. Oh wow! Like it's like Neil Adams covers with like Kurt Swan art. For the interiors, and it's some of Kurt Swan's best stuff because Jim Shooter would do layouts. So like yeah. you see Kurt doing stuff he wouldn't normally do. That's really cool. Yeah, I have to check those out. No, it's it's really good stuff, and and the Fatal Five would you know go on to be nemesis for them. Uh, you know, some of their top villains for a long time. Uh, would show up in other things. I what was it? There was the the animated uh, movie, the Justice League versus um, the Fatal Five. I'm pretty sure some of them showed up in Supergirl at some point, like Emerald Empress or something in the show. Like I'm I'm trying to think. I I wasn't watching Supergirl at the time, but I know the Legion showed up uh, eventually in in Supergirl. And I think some of them had shown up, but just the creativity behind it. Uh, I mean, you just had the, these villains that had, like, you know, Emerald Empress with just the Emerald Eye that can do whatever. You had a Persuader. Um, what was it? Who had that, like, just axe that can cut through, like, reality, basically. Like, if if he cuts under you, he could technically, if you, if he cut under you, he could cut the gravity under you and hurl you into the sky like that kind of stuff. just like the kind <laughs> <It's> of wild <laughs> creativity and, and wildness that that went into the the fatal five they're just uh i just i just love them so much they're they're just great i, I wish they would show up more in, in dc stuff as well but um number two 
I'm going to go with uh, Apocalypse. I just, I, I, I love Apocalypse, especially like I mentioned earlier, the, the Fall of the Mutants, uh, earlier Apocalypse when he's just sort of building up, um, you know, his plans, his whole goal and everything was just, it was perfect. It was like Wheezy came in and created exactly the character that was needed for the X-Men at that time. Uh, you know, obviously for X Factor, but it was like she created a better villain than what most of the stuff that Claremont had them fighting in the main book. Yeah, like, and, and that happened in a spinoff book, and then he later became just such a such an iconic villain for for the X Men uh, in general. Because and he just makes perfect sense it's like okay so he is to mutants what mutants are to people and just all that like strict like darwinism and survival of the fittest and his while he supports mutants it's a lot to do with kind of throwing his his power behind what's going to wipe out humanity because they deserve to be wiped out because they can be but he's also very willing to watch mutants die or decide with another group that's better than mutants because then that means the mutants deserve to die like he and again it goes right into grunwald's whole bit he's a complex character but he's not complicated yeah and he's a great you got the whole xavier magneto dynamic and apocalypse is he usurps that right and and that's what's so resonating about him throughout the years absolutely i remember even like being a kid like it was one of the first like x-men toys i wanted like you know i i just loved him uh so much and then for my number one villain and and this goes into a lot of impact with the medium and everything is uh green goblin uh specifically norman osborne it's really hard to beat him he uh he completely changed the medium multiple times, you know, between between his, you know, debut and his constant going back and forth with with Peter, figuring out who Peter is. Obviously, you had the death of Gwen Stacy. Uh, before that, you have, you know, like Harry becoming a drug addict, how Norman deals with that. Norman's legacy basically driving his son into becoming the green god like just all of those things it's it's hard to think of a villain that had a a bigger impact certainly there are you can basically say that green goblin is how we got the bronze age like most people will tell you we got the Bronze Age after Gwen Stacy died. That was the beginning of like the Bronze Age for a lot of people. Or, and if they don't say it was the very beginning of the Bronze Age, they say like that's when the Silver Age was completely over. Yeah, like we the have symbolic now moved... death of the Silver Age, right? Yeah, and it's because of Green Goblin uh, that one-two punch of Gwen getting killed and then killing off Green Goblin. And, you know, it's pretty bold to kill um, at that point, probably who people would have at the time said was the most iconic Spider-Man villain to just kill him. Uh, You know, because not only 
did you not kill girlfriends of of these characters you rarely killed villains or if you did you know they fell off a cliff or something and like we don't quite know like there there's not these like definitive deaths but that was a very definitive at the time this dude got straight up impaled yeah Don't worry, he got better. He just went to Europe and healed for like thirty years, twenty years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's what you got to do. So yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah. That that would be my top five. That's a great, that's a great top, top five. five. Yeah, I was gonna say a phenomenal top five. Robbie, I'm interested in your top five. Is Stephen Dorff in your top five? <laughs> I, I thought I thought about it, but to be honest, Deacon Frost doesn't have that much of an impact. All my characters have impact as well. Um, if anybody's looking for like weird stretches or cool, like nobody's going to think of this, you're not going to get it from me. If you've been watching this channel, you know what this list is going to be. I bet <laughs> one of them, I'm putting money down, and one of them is a doctor. Uh, no, well, I'm sure that he's gotten an honorary degree, but he never finished college. But we'll get to uh, him. Uh, um, he was kicked out of college. So mm-hmm. uh, that's one of my favorite things about that character. We'll get to it. Uh, honorable mention Green Goblin, Norman Osborn. Joe just covered all of that. So that's great. Number five, Apocalypse. Um, I love Apocalypse. Everything Joe said, and it was, I still have my original issues of X Factor from when I was a kid first reading comics. I got an X Factor five and six, beat to hell and back, right? They're not worth shit because they're like red. You know what I'm saying? That followed the mutants. When he turned Angel to Archangel, Mm -hmm. that blew my mind, man. Like that, like, I loved it. And I still love that design of apocalypse and and i love what he's become but he's become more of a background figure but in those days he was still background but he was doing more right and even executioner song like i like his involvement there but apocalypse there you go at number four galactus i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's galactus every time there's a galactus toy i buy it they drop one in the 90s i bought it uh they did the the marvel universe 18 inch i got it uh, they did that Kickstarter or whatever at Hasbro Pulse for the giant one coming up. Um, I haven't paid Mike for it yet, but Mike got it for me. So, like, that's going to be coming. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm fascinated with him as a design, mm-hmm. as a concept. This whole, like, he represents annihilation. He represents the cold, uncaring force of nature that is the cosmos, right? Mm-hmm. And that that, to me, is, you were talking about, Clayface, when you were a kid, fucking with you. Galactus fucked with me. Because I was like, we don't matter. We could be wiped out, and the universe is going to keep going on. And that was what, like, I was really starting. I was like, that's what I went to. I remember going to my pastor and being like, what happens if, well, well, heaven and God. Like, but what, but what about, it's like, I started questioning things and reality there. Number three, Lex Luthor. Mm -hmm. I adore Lex Luthor. He's not always utilized the best. I hate it when they try to make him a superhero. I hated it when Jeff Johns had him join the Justice League. I thought that was mm-hmm. stupid. I yep. hated it when he became Superman. That was so stupid. I hated it recently when he tried to become Batman. I thought that was so stupid. Uh, <laughs> let Lex Luthor just be fucking Lex Luthor. And yes. I don't mean this Jeff Bezos fucking version. I mean mad scientist corporate mogul. Because I like that. I like the John Byrne version, which I think mostly came from Wolfman. Yeah. But like, I like that. But I like the mad scientist bit, too. So I like it when they blend it together, alluding back to when I was talking about Joe Casey doing a great Lex Luthor in his yeah. adventures as Superman. And like I was saying with, like, 
Batman and Joker. Joker's a clown. Batman's like a vampire, a monster bat, like that weird dichotomy, that 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 flip, that inversion, right? You get that with Lex Luthor to me. The alien is usually the villain, and the smart human's usually the hero. Yeah. But we flipped that script, and I really like that. Number two, Dark Side is. There you go. I mean, Dark Side. Jack Kirby creating basically the avatar, the personification of nihilism, the personification of loss of will, loss of 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 control, loss of hope. He represents despair. He represents nothing. Dark side just is. And it's the deepest, darkest moments of your life, right? Where you are like at the lowest of your lows and you feel like you're a piece of shit. Dark side is. Do you get what I'm saying? That's a real yeah. fucking force that Jack Kirby was able to take these cosmic like forces that exist in all of us and distill them into comic book scripture, right? Dark side. There you go. And number one, he didn't graduate college, but he is a doctor. It's Dr. Victor Von fucking doom motherfuckers. Come on, man. Oh yeah. If you know me, you know, it's Dr. Doom. Victor Von doom is great because he's got that idea. Like he's got noble intentions, right? He really does. And just like the character of house, on that TV show, like Sherlock Holmes esque type character, so good at what he does, so smart that he kind of gets away with being an asshole. Doctor Doom takes that shit to another level, bro. Like <laughs> if Doc and Doctor Doom, like Doctor Doom, has a noble intention of bringing peace. His methods to going about that though are questionable. But the problem is, if you question them, he, you, you getting got, you dead. Like, it used to mess me up. I used to read the Tom DeFalco, Paul Ryan stuff all the time in the 90s. And the idea that everyone is happy in Latveria. We have peace. There's no crime. Everybody's happy here. We have to be. If we're not happy, we're gone. You know, so it's this false society, right? It's this, it's this false thing, right? And also the arrogance within Dr. Doom. This is a dude who literally got a scar and scarred his whole fucking face up, probably, by being impatient with the metal on his mask from the Tibetan monks. Let's bring that in. He's a, an amalgam of science and sorcery, right? <clears throat> I'm glad that they get more into the sorceress elements of Dr. Doom nowadays at times, but sometimes they get a little too simple with it. And they did lose that for a long time. And like John Byrne to him, the only thing he, like mind control and like switching minds, but like, in those early days, it's like arcane en energy that he's harnessing and all this kind of stuff. And that's really fascinating to me to be a spiritual force on a dark negative side and an intellectual force on a dark negative side. It is a direct in inspiration, I swear to God, for, for Darth Vader. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Darth Vader is Dr. Doom. Oh, like, yeah. he's, he's a sorcerer kept alive by fucking technology and all that kind of shit. Dr. Doom is the shit to me. I love it. He's the best. I own his first appearance and uh, always will because he's my number one. Nice. I'm great list. I knew Dr. And Doom was going to be on that list. They've never done him in a fucking animated series, an animated movie or a live action movie or a live action series ever. Have they done that motherfucker? Right. That's wild. Think, the number of cracks they've taken at him too. I think the, Early Fox films, I think he looks right. 
but they they didn't do the character right. And he's scary as shit in that last one. But they, again, they don't do him right. But he's intimidating at least. I don't know. Yeah. I just hope uh, that I hope the MCU can do it. We'll see. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Great, great top five, and he's one of the just one of the coolest looking villains, man. Just like. Oh, yeah. Just a cool ass costume, and uh, I love love Doctor Doom. Yeah, and he talks in the third person. He says "ba" a lot. It's great, man. It really is. And he does this a lot too, which I, I, I he's literally that old dude shaking his fist at the younger generation. <laughs> old man yells at Cloud. <laughs> I'm surprised when we're talking about movies, you didn't bring up forget the Fox ones, the Roger Corman <laughs> Doctor Doom. That's well, the, sadly that's the best Doctor Doom we've gotten. I, I wish if they would have dubbed that or something because you can't hear him through the fucking costume. The one thing they can do is put a yeah. mic in his fucking mask, yep. man. You can't under- Yeah. You have 12 look- hours. <laughs> he does smell <laughs> it out like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Great, great top five. I'll jump to mine real quick. I There's going to be a lot of, uh, I think with you other guys, some, some, some crossovers. I think we got some of the same in mind, I didn't know we're doing manga. I didn't know manga counted, so I'll, I, I, I will yeah. skip manga. I don't want to revise mine, but I'll give just a a uh, a nod to uh, Naraku from Inuyasha. If we're doing villains, what a great sure. bad villain the Inuyasha manga, which is you know there's an anime too, but for the manga. But for uh, my top five, let's see, number five, I got Lex Luthor, kind of the quintessential DC guy. I mean, he's obviously Superman's villain, but he's been a villain to the Justice League and other other characters. But uh, yeah, I like that. Robbie Robbie spoke about him. I mean, I can't really add to that, but I do like the fact that he's he's smart and he uses science. You know what I'm saying? He's on a level playing field with Superman because of the technology behind it. But he's a very smart guy. And think about all um, these fascinating fantasy sci-fi characters that Superman has to deal with on a daily basis and completely beats and defeats them, but he can never get Lex. Like that's that always fascinated me. Like he could never just get Lex. The most Lex dangerous villain is yeah. the American businessman. Exactly, right, man. <laughs> so, but you're right. I don't like when they try to like make him the good guy or, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't like that take on him. I mean, he's a bad guy and I like him when he's a bad guy. And I like the the versions we've seen on the big screen for the most part. Um, number 4, Shredder. Shredder I love Shredder, man. I think he's a great villain to the to the turtles, and I think he's, I think it's a cool ass costume. You know, he's sort of got the samurai helmet, and he's got the the blades. I don't know. They need a good villain, and I think that's one of the best villains for for the turtles. I just, I don't know. I, I love Shredder. I Shredder's agree. Awesome. They, they kill that motherfucker the first issue, <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh shit, we made a mistake. We fucked up." Man. <laughs> they kill him in the first movie. Oh, that's they what do. we should have brought up in the live action. Tell me there's somebody more intimidating than Super Shredder. I'll fucking wait. Dude, there's I'm not. Right now, right? Super I Shredder know. was fucking... It doesn't make any sense. I went back and watched it. I'm like, what? It's the Kevin fuck? Nash, baby. That's why yeah, it's intimidating. Kevin Nash. I was about to be like, Kevin Nash isn't, but the guy who played Shredder in part two before he becomes Super Shredder is going to be at the expo. That's oh, super okay. cool. He's yeah, awesome. that is he's awesome. awesome. He's the Dharma Initiative guy. This <laughs> <You laughs> fucking wild. Well, I, I love Kevin Nash. You want to talk about somebody who became like the opposite of problematic. He's the best. <laughs> We uh, I lost track of what was going on. Oh, number three, <laughs> Joker, the Joker. I'm a big Batman guy. Can I have a list without having the Joker on there? The Joker's great. But I don't know what's not been said about the Joker on this episode that I could add. You know, what I'm saying he's a he's a great villain for Batman. I like the different versions of him. Like I really grew up with like the 
the 80s comic book version, you know what I'm saying? Or the the Super Friends version. Um, yeah. So that's the version I like. I do like Cesar Romero. As, as you know, you're right. You get over the mustache. He's still wearing the makeup. Um, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, those takes in the movie I enjoy. But really, it's the comic book villains I, versions I like. And those figures, too, the, uh, the superpowers figures, man. I love those those yeah. figures and that Joker figure. Uh, so I really like the Joker. Number two, uh, Magneto. I mean, how can you not like Magneto? And he's one of those villains that you can't help but side with. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the times. Xavier's tried so hard to to work with the humans and Magneto tried and basically like, you know, we're, we're the better race. I mean, where the mutants aren't that bad guys, we're the, with the next step of evolution and just gets sick of their shit, man. And just, uh, I just love that. And, and again, you kind of feel for him, especially, and that's something that, you know, I got into X-Men comics as a young age is when you feel alienated, you kind of, you kind of, you know, feel for the X-Men and you kind of, you know, it was hard to be like, oh, I, I understand what Superman's going through. No, I fucking don't. But I did feel like I knew what uh, some of the X-Men were going through. You know what I'm saying? That alienation. And then Magneto, you know what I'm saying, is, is very powerful and doesn't take shit from these people. I was like, I'm, you know, we're the next evolution and we're better. And that's that's pretty pretty badass. And, and his history with Xavier and everything. But Magneto is so fucking awesome in the comics. And I do like his representation in the film for the most part. Um, and number one, You've already said it, Darkseid. Darkseid is such a badass character. I mean, if you take on the whole Justice League, I really like his design. It was one of the early DC figures I had. I had the one that the light would go through in his eyes. You know, he had the holes in the top, whatever his eyes would light up. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, dude, Darkseid. Darkseid is just such an awesome character. And uh, the eyes, the the lightning thing that follows, just the way he shoots the, I mean. The Omega effect? The Omega sanction? Yeah, and he's very intimidating, and he's just like he doesn't seem intimidated at all by anyone from the Justice League. Um, so, so I, you know, I love to sometimes it's like he's taking on Superman, he's taking on Wonder Woman, so he's taking directly on Batman. I'm like, he's just a person. He's gonna crush Batman in half. <laughs> yeah, he, he he's dope, man. Batman did kill him one time though, so that was that was Grant Morrison Final Crisis. My favorite Dark Side story, Rock of Ages by Grant Morrison Howard Porter. Love the hell out of that story. Well, that's our uh, top five. Great so, top five, uh, John. I really like that, man. I was surprised because I thought Joker would be your number one. So kudos. Man. I thought about it a lot. As much as I love Joker, I just don't think he's. I don't think he's one dimensional. I think he has a lot of dimensions to him. But they're all crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think Magneto and Darkseid are for Darkseid's Joker's. You know, a Batman villain, but Darkseid is a Justice League. You know, it's all the DC's villain. Yeah. And then, but Magneto was just like, I think Magneto is more complex character that you can understand and have compassion for. And so I always thought Magneto was just a, a cooler character as far as, as far, cause I can never sympathize with the Joker. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a, that's a really great top five from John, from Joe and from Drew and from me. I'll go ahead and toot my own horn. I think we really <laughs> killed it tonight. I want you to know, I want to know y'all's top fives. Let us know in the comments. Um, we really appreciate you guys checking out the video. Um, Joe, thank you so much for being here, man. Yeah, I no appreciate problem. you. I hope you had a good, fun time on your first PCP podcast. No, this was great. Uh, really, thank you for having me. I had a blast. This was a great time. Yeah, I know we got a late start, and it was already late. I think you're on the uh, the East Coast, so I appreciate you joining us, man. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, really do. And uh, for your final thought, man, uh, 
What can we learn from villains? I think, um, you know, the, the things we learn from villains are, are things about ourselves. I think it's important to, you know, sort of reflect on these things because a lot of what villains are doing, it's it gets complicated in the sense that it's not so much that it's necessarily you can understand why someone's doing something without being sympathetic to it. Um, Cause a lot of villains are doing really horrific things, but you can understand that they're either they've been slighted. Um, they, they, they go through a lot of what villains are doing are, are grounded in things that we all understand. We think of like it at our lowest points and don't act on. And, and I think learning that though that is all natural, the, those, those feelings, those thoughts, the, the, the wanting to do certain things or not doing other things and, and to understand how people get to that point. Uh, I, I think you can learn a lot of that from villains and, and you learn about yourself in the well what do you do in a situation like that how would you handle certain things what if you were you know dealing with a person like that not necessarily in like the overblown flamboyant sort of ways you, you see in a, in a comic but we've all dealt with uh people who feel like they are you know our antagonist or something like that whether it's at work whether it's someone who cut you off on, on the road yeah like something like that and how we how we deal with people that we feel are sliding us i i, I think all of that you, you can learn so much from a good villain you can learn how how decent of a person you are and how far you still have to go yeah you know there there's so much to it and and i think we need more good villains because ultimately you need a great villain for a great hero um which you you know grunwald was going into before which i mentioned earlier and and that need hasn't changed the same despite the fact that we're talking we're going back and forth talking about comics spanning you know it's coming up on a century we're talking about some of these characters are 80 years old at this point yeah all the lessons are the same the things that grunwald was talking about in the 80s and the 90s the things people were doing before that it is just as relevant today as it was then everything he said about villains and what makes them great is applicable today so so i also think there's a lesson in how like timeless some of that is too it doesn't matter how far we come as a society all of those things are still relevant absolutely well said joe thank you so much for being here drew thank, thank you. you for being here what can we learn from right. villains generally like <laughs> the better written uh comic book villains are the ones where we can kind like he said like we can kind of see why they were doing it and either not immediately be like I, I i could never or like it's like the ones you could think it's like i i guess or just some element of that like the one i mentioned is my number one griffith it was like it's like his ambition like he, he wasn't trying to like subjugate the world he just wanted to be like 
the guy in the castle in the cloud and he wasn't Ooh. like evil to anyone up until like his he started questioning his ambition and that was the thing he was the personification of like the 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 dark ambition that like every human has but like never tries to think about honestly he became that's all he thought about and it's like everyone has most people have an ambition of some sort even even if it's something small but it's proper villains have that like much more exemplified like you can see it it's like much more like bigger bolder and it's like and, and it's like if someone's in the way we don't care and it's like that that's the thing where it's like push everything to the wayside this is it's like this is my ideal well put again drew in fact hammer time i think that uh me and you should just steal off of what they said right i mean me and you i mean honestly we have me and john always get great guests here to make us look even better isn't that right john yeah then we can just phone it in yeah then we can just phone it in um but no i I wrote down ourselves they teach us about ourselves it's about what i was talking about at the beginning too like exploring the darker self exploring darker intentions and understanding ourselves and like drew said understanding that ambition is something everybody you should have an ambition you should have a drive right villains teach us some of the steps not to take to get yes. there you know what i'm saying i guess yes. but they teach you how not to tell how not to act you know but also like joe alluded to these are impulses within us and it's okay to recognize in other characters that those impulses exist they're okay but the degree to which we act on them that's the difference mm-hmm. you know and sometimes the difference between the hero and the villain is a thin little line but that that thin little line is just enough. And some people like to walk that line, like Dewey Cox, which is uh, Hammer Time Holshue's favorite country musician, right? It is by far. By far. Yeah, walk hard, man. And uh, I think I think you guys make a lot of good points. And, and we're talking about you can't have the villain without superhero and vice versa. And that's why I think the takeaway should be to the show. All the little kids listening, quit idolizing these superheroes. Start idolizing these villains. <laughs> We need more villains or we'll never get the superheroes. Think about that. Think about that. That is true. Yeah, that's my that's my, my takeaway. Oh, and uh, next episode, by the way, Mel Brooks. Just let everybody know. Next episode, Mel Brooks. Very writer, excited. Director. I'm super excited, man. I think he's an underrated director. I think he's a fantastic director. He's also an underrated supervillain. An actor. And an actor, yeah. Yeah, and, think- and you know what most people don't know? Amazing skateboarder. I did not know that one. I'm surprised that we didn't get to see that in Dracula. Yeah, don't go, don't Google that. <laughs> don't don't fact check that. I am super excited to revisit a lot of Mel Brooks films and compile the top five and have some great conversations uh, next time, man. That that's going to be a great show. But uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. So tune in next time, same bat channel, same bat time for the Mel Brooks podcast. And that's all I have. Have a good night and. Uh, Read some comic books, guys. Learn about more supervillains. Read that run about the Fatal Fatal Five. 